We're going to turn in God's Word this morning to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, reading from verse 10 down to verse 20. If you don't know what Ephesians is, it's, it's in the New Testament, and it's on page 979 of the Pew Bibles. Uh, a wee trick that I learned when I was younger, and it shows you everything about me, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, go, go eat pancakes. That's how I remember it. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat pancakes. It helped me. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe it went. Maybe you already know what it is, but there's a wee, a wee top tip from me this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10 down to verse 20. Let's listen to God's word together. And we're thinking about being in a spiritual battle this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in my mouth, in, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. And may God bless us the reading of his holy and inspired word this morning. We spoke last week about Paul calling the church to watch out for outside corrosive influences that will try and sneak in and begin to um, uh, uh, impact and affect the, the, the teachings and the beliefs of the church. We read last week as well in Acts 20 an instruction that Paul uh, gives and he says, I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert. And we thought about, yes, we need to be wary of what's going on in the world and wary of what's going on around us. But the call is to stand firm and, and make sure that these things aren't beginning to seep in and, and impact the, the bride of Christ. Paul's command in Acts 20 is here uh, to the church in Ephesus. That's where Paul was at that time. And he was saying, watch out for the corrosive influences that are taking place. That when I leave, watch out for people who will sneak in and, and, and try to alter the teachings that I have brought you. Watch out for men rising up within the church speaking twisted things. What are those twisted things? Let's really simplify it down and remind ourselves of a quote that we heard off last Sunday from Leon Morris, which said, what does not agree with the Bible does not come from God. It's a really good principle to adopt in your life. What does not agree with scripture, what doesn't agree from the Bible, doesn't come from God. The letter of Ephesians that we've read this morning is by the Apostle Paul to the church 
in Ephesus. Ephesus was a huge city in that day, and it was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods, gods with a small g. But through a missionary period of about two years where Paul spent time there um, witnessing and evangelizing and, and doing missions, preaching and teaching the gospel, he sees people turn their backs on these false gods and turn towards Christ and to follow Jesus. If you read in Acts, I think it's in Acts 19, you'll read of some of, um, of, of his journey in Ephesus. And actually, uh, maybe in the weeks to come, we'll start to tap into Acts 19 because we'll see really in a bit more detail why he begins to speak about this spiritual battle that they're in. There's all these spiritual things that were taking place in Acts 19. So maybe you can go home and you can read that if you want to. But Paul spent time there and he sees people turn their backs and on the false gods of those days and turn to Jesus. There might be many gods, small g, that people worship, friends, and there might be many religions, but there is only one true one, and that is the one of the Bible, the God of the Bible, and the way of living that the scriptures teach us and proclaim. There has always been lots of gods, small g. Why do I keep saying small g? These are man-made things that we have conjured up. Why? Why is that the case? Even in the Old Testament, we see it numerous times where we see these idols being made, these idols being manufactured by humans, uh, and they begin to worship things, or they begin to worship uh, nature and the trees and all these things. Why do people go off and, and worship false gods? Why does the God of the Bible continually have to tell his people to not worship other gods, but to only have him. Because, friends, we are idol-making machines. It is one of our hobbies as humans. It is a thing that we are very good at. We are very good at making idols. We are very good at making things to worship. Why? Because in our DNA is the call to be worshippers. Man's chief end is to glorify God. Our purpose is to be worshippers of God. When sin comes in and it um, begins to tamper with humanity and we begin to become sinful in nature, then that is distorted and we go off and we begin to make these things. But why? Because that longing to worship something is still within us. The question this morning is not do you worship because you do you do worship all of the world worships but the question is who or what are you worshiping because the bible tells us there is only one worthy of our worship and he is the god of the bible this world worships we worship movie stars we worship football teams we worship money we worship fame we worship false gods we worship idols but the call god gives to you sandy hills church on the 19th of february 2023 is the same call he gave to the people of israel in the days of moses which rings throughout all of history you shall have no other gods but me he is the only one he is the only one true god and the only way to him is through his son 
Jesus. And through Paul's mission, people respond to this call. They respond to the gospel. They respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They turn their backs on these false gods that they've been worshipping probably all their lives. And they follow Jesus. He then writes this letter that we've read this morning, Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. And this letter can be divided into two sections. The first three chapters are about doctrine, about what we believe, the gospel story. Or theology. That's the first three chapters. And the second section is the, the last three chapters of the book. Or the letter, sorry. And in that we have this reminding then. If this is what you believe, chapters 1 to 3. Then this is how it should impact your lives. The, the practical implications. The practical applications of being a follower of Jesus. And part of this practical application is found in the verses we've read this morning about the whole armor of God. And Paul uses these words in the verses we've read this morning to close his letter. And in it, in this in last number of verses of, of Ephesians, in chapter 6 that we've read this morning, he reminds them, he reminds the church in Ephesus about the reality of spiritual evil. That there are beings and forces at work in this world that will attack unity and undermine Jesus and his gospel. I mentioned a word last week, and that word was desensitized, about how I think we as the church in the West have become desensitized to the offense that sin causes God. I'm going to say another thing this morning that I think is true about the church in the West. And I think that that's that we've sadly become programmed to not think spiritually anymore. But we are guided by what we see physically. I think we as the church in the West have been programmed to, to not think spiritually. And actually what we've begun to do is we've begun to become a physical church. About, and it's about the, 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 the pulpits and the, the lecterns and the communion tables and the, the things we can physically touch. The things that we can physically see in this world. And what's happened then as a result of that, by, not being, by being programmed not to be um, concerned spiritually, is that we as a church in the West, I think, have become skeptical of spiritual happenings that take place within church life. And maybe I will go a wee step further and to say that that's why I think that we in the West have such an awful relationship with prayer. I think that's why prayer life in the church in the West is at an all-time low. Is because we have made church, we've made Christianity, but the things we can touch and the things that we can see, and we are not concerned spiritually anymore. There's a word I learned when I was doing my theology training, and it's a, a word called demythologizing. What is that? Well, it's to separate the spiritual aspect of the Bible. To reinterpret the story, to pull out the principles and disregard the supernatural elements of those things. So what happens is we're now hearing people teach in the church, well, I know that that's what the Bible said, but surely God didn't actually part the Red Sea. It's actually about the principle that we see within that story. And what we're doing there, we need to be really careful, is we're beginning to take the supernatural elements out of Scripture. 
And we're making this just a, more, a good model, model book about the principles that we read in it. Or, or even the miracles that Jesus did. Did Jesus really rise again? Did he really rise back to life? Surely, really, what we're seeing there is this, this good teaching that, that if you're a good person and, and there, there could be hope for you beyond the grave. We're beginning to separate the, the, the Bible stories and we're, we're withdrawing the spiritual and the supernatural elements out of them. It's happening. We see it in churches. You see it in pulpits. It's taking place. We have neglected the spiritual as the church in the West. And we have made Christianity a hobby, a social outing, and made it about getting nice wee homilies on a Sunday that make us feel good about ourselves before we go home for our roast dinner. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit. We need him. We need him. We need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. We need him. We need him to be active. We need him to guide us, to shape us. We need him to work mightily in this place. Sometimes I think about what Jesus said, greater than these things that I've done, greater will, you will do. Where, where is the greater? Where is it? Because I don't think it's happening in the West. It's happening in other places in the world, absolutely. Where they're dependent upon the Holy Spirit. What's happened is, friends, we've become so consumed with material that we have in some aspects completely abandoned the spiritual. Is there room for the supernatural in your life this morning? Is there room for God to move and have his way how he wants to as the God of the Bible in your life? Or are you guided and shaped by what you can see physically? Is Christianity for you about the physical? Or is it about a gospel that has lifted, taken and transformed you, not metaphorically, from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light and made you spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. Because only one of them is biblical. And it's a transformation that God does where he takes us from death into spiritual life. We as believers in Jesus are spiritual people. And this isn't metaphorical language, friends. And the Apostle Paul is very clear here. He says there are evil forces at work in this world to destroy your soul, to attack God's kingdom, and to bring disunity and disregard and disrepute to the church. There is an enemy out there who hates God, who hates his church, and hates his children. And for those of us who have a one-dimensional way of thinking and where Christianity has been a social thing or, or maybe a traditional thing and it's, it's about kind of just coming to a place and, and seeing some friends in the community and going home and, and we've never really even thought about actually maybe there's a whole spiritual side to this Christianity thing. This will be really hard for us to, to comprehend and to get our head around. 
But friends, in the gospel, what we have is not some person coming and giving us good teachings or nice moral lessons. What we have in the gospel is heaven waging war against the very pits of hell for the redemption of your soul. Not metaphorically, but that really happened. And absolutely, the victory is won. The victory belongs to Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ this morning, you are victorious. But there are still battles taking place. That's why the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, this morning in chapter 6 of Ephesians, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places we wrestle we the church we the bride of christ we wrestle and this word wrestle gives this image of hand-to-hand combat it's not like you know you're on one side of the room and i'm on the other side of the room and we're throwing things at each other this is more like a fist fight if you will it's close it's personal we wrestle we wrestle with these things as the bride of Christ. And what we see here is that this battle, it isn't against flesh and blood. It isn't against the things that we can touch and the things that we see in this life. But actually, this is a spiritual battle. This is a supernatural battle. This is beyond what we can see. This takes place in the heavenly places. It's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I came to faith when I was about 14. And um, I've always been quite a, and this might become a, a bit of a surprise or a shock to you. I, I would maybe liken myself to a bull in a china shop. That's always kind of been my, my approach to everything in life. It doesn't matter what it is, it's a china shop and I'm a bull and I go for it. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes it gets me in a wee bit of bother and I bite off more than I can chew. I, when I came to faith, went through ups and downs like we all do. And then um, the Lord really began to do a work in our church. And um, he began to set a fire in my, my heart and my friend's heart that we just wanted to go and tell people about Jesus. We were just desperate to go and tell people about Jesus. We were excited. We were enthusiastic. And up in Lewis, we have these things called the calendar stones. I'm sure many of you will have heard of them. And there are people from all over the world that come um, during the summer solstice and they come to worship the stones and they come and they perform some sort of pagan things that take place. And uh, some people think it's just a bit harmless fun. It's, you know, eating some dodgy cookies or dodgy brownies. Um, but for other people, it's a really spiritual time where they are engaging with something and they're worshipping something. So me and my friends thought, it's a Saturday night. I thought, yeah, beauty, let's go. Let's go tell these people about Jesus. So only one of us could drive, so we jumped in his car. We are halfway over and we thought, actually, we need to get some tracts. That shows you how long ago this was. So we went back to the church and got some tracks from the, the, the cupboard. You know, Jesus loves you and all these different Bible verses. And off we went again. We headed over. And we got to the place, uh, the Calendar Stones. And the boys were like, on you go, Norman. Go and talk to them. I'm like, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know what to say. There's these guys. You can smell funny cookies and funny stuff, and there's things happening, and I didn't know. So I thought, let's go do a wee prayer walk first. I heard that that's the kind of stuff that you do when you do missions. So we went and did a prayer walk. And, I, and I'm, not being, I'm not being flippant about these things, but I'm telling you how I was thinking at that time. So we did a prayer walk. We went over and we sat in the middle of this group of people that were doing stuff, weird stuff, touching stones on their knees, lots of weird things happening. And then somebody shouted, has anyone got a light? Looking for a, a lighter for their cigarette. And this man turned and pointed at me and said, he's got a light inside him. I can see it. I thought, oh man, I've bitten off far more than I can chew here. I'm in a place that I'm way, way, way out of my depth. And he then began to speak to us and, and I was really quizzical about what, what do you mean? I've got a, a light and, you know, it was, it was quite scary. Anyway, cut a very long story short, um, began speaking to someone who had been a training for ministry within the Church of Scotland. He'd fallen away and he was now a witch doctor and ended up taking him to church for a couple of weeks with me. He was living in a tent on a part of the island. We'd pick him up, we'd take him to church, we'd drop him off. And um, again, I just didn't understand what I was in, engaging with here. And we went and we walked down to his tent one day and uh, there was these stones around his tent. I picked it up and I threw one of the stones in the water and he started shouting at me in this weird language and I had no idea what he was shouting at, but I could see the, the venom and the evil in his face. And it was the last time I ever saw that man. I went home that night to sleep and I had two dreams of these demons spinning around me. Friends, there is a spiritual world there. And there are things taking place in this world that we just can't comprehend. And it's real. There is an enemy there. And the Apostle Paul says here, be strong in the Lord and make sure you are clothed in his armor. It is a call to be wise about how we engage spiritually in spiritual battle, in spiritual warfare. We need to be very, very careful. Not be afraid, but to make sure that we are clothed in God's armor. I wasn't. I went flippantly into battle and I was not prepared for it. But God in his mercy protected me and that whole situation uh, was, was resolved and, and thank the Lord for that. But there is a very powerful demonic enemy with a chain of command. And friends, we must waken up to what is taking place and what we are against. It's not flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers. And the Apostle Paul lists them here. And that chain of the command is the devil and his fallen angels or his demons. And it's very, very real. And I think maybe if we began to understand just how real the spiritual battles were in this life, our prayer life, I promise you would increase and our prayer life would definitely change. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We often think we are. We often think it's against flesh and blood. We get the, the, the hump with, with certain people. But actually, friends, there are strongholds all around us that the devil has. And I ask you, what are the strongholds in our community? Where are the places we can see evil oppression taking place? Let's identify them and make sure as a church we have the armor of God on and start to pray against them. What are they? They're here. They're, they're in our community. They're very, very real. 
This isn't symbolic language that the Apostle Paul is taking place. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And many in our communities are engaging with evil darkness. There are two kingdoms. There is one of darkness and there is the kingdom of God. And many are engaging with evil darkness. And I would even say that many are oblivious to the fact that they're engaging with these evil things in these evil ways. And one of these that I see increasing more and more, especially on social media, and it actually scares me the fact that there's so many people who dabble in these things, and I, and I reckon they're doing it with, with good intentions and from, from a, a, a wanting of fun and enjoyment. But, but friends, if it's not of God, it isn't good. And, and, and there is a definite increase that we're seeing across our, our country of, of people engaging with mediums and fortune telling and psychic events. We see it all, even over Facebook. There's places even in our community that host these things. If it isn't of God, it isn't good. Be careful what you dabble in. Be careful. Be careful what you open yourself up to. It might seem like some harmless fun. But friends, there is a kingdom of darkness there that shouldn't be messed with. And we need to be very aware and very alert to it. And we see that there is an enemy in the Bible. All throughout the Bible, we see that there is an enemy who wages war against our souls. The Bible calls him the accuser, the adversary, the evil one. And he and his demonic forces are waging war against the bride of Christ. Breaking marriages, breaking families, questioning identities, leading people astray, telling lies. Did God really say? Questioning God's authority, tickling our ears with fame and fortune and, uh, and looking to please people. Feeding our egos, stoking that, that lust that is in our hearts for sexual sin or, or, or power or fame or fortune. And he's very real. But I must say, friends, that he is defeated. He's real, but he is defeated. That's why Paul says in his closing uh, section of this letter, in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of of his might we are not alone and the enemy is defeated and we have an outside agency that that equips us for battle the god of heaven the king of glory and our time is marching on this morning but there's just a couple of wee things i want to say in verse 11 paul says put on the full armor of god and we're going to spend the next number of weeks looking at what that means as Christians, what it means to have this full armor on. But I want to say to you this morning in closing, because we've spoken about the reality of this spiritual evil that takes place in our world. But I want to encourage you this day. What is amazing that, is that Paul doesn't come up with this uh, armor of God by himself. He draws on Isaiah's depiction of who the messianic king would be. Who God's chosen one would be. Isaiah 11. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. Isaiah 49. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Isaiah 59. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. 
And what I think this says to us, dear friends, is that yes, God the Father equips us and clothes us, but he clothes us and equips us in the same protection that he puts on his own son. We are clothed in the same protection as the Messiah of God himself because we are the body of Christ. And we can stand today, time again we've read it, stand, stand, stand. We can stand today, friends, because as Ephesians 2 says, we're already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's why you as the bride of Christ can stand this day, because you're already seated with Christ in victory. So what Ephesians 2 says through faith, you're already seated with Jesus in the heavenly places. And because you're seated with Christ in the heavenlies, you can stand here in this earth. Friends, God has given his church authority over the darkness and the ability to stand because of the faith we have in Jesus. And we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And we might fight the good fight here with our feet on the earth. But we fight from victory. Because we are seated in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ already. So over the next number of weeks we're going to look at what it means to have the armor of God on. So that we are protected against the spiritual evil of this day. But be alert friends, there is an enemy. And he is powerful and very real but we need not be afraid of him stand as Paul says and know that you can stand only because you're already seated with Christ in victory in the heavenly places and may we see in our day the retreating of the demonic forces and evil in our land may we see the devil's strongholds be dismantled Oppression be gone in Jesus' name. And may we see the glory of God cover the earth and yet even the east end of Glasgow as the waters cover the sea. And may Glasgow truly flourish by the preaching of God's word and the praising of his name. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us when we've neglected the spiritual aspect of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this life. And Lord, we take stock that there is a very real enemy at work in this world. That this world, the Bible says, is under his domain. That there is a kingdom of darkness. But God, I thank you that you reign victorious. That the serpent's head has been crushed. That death has been defeated. That Jesus, you reign supreme. That you are victorious. That you are already seated at the right hand of God the Father forever interceding on behalf of your people. And we thank you as Ephesians 2 tells us that we are seated with Christ in victory. Or that we have a hope. That hope of glory. And because we're seated with you Jesus that we can take our stand in this life. But God alert us to the evil around us. That that we may as your people resist temptation. That we may um, turn our back on evil and turn our hearts towards you God. Forgive us when we've dabbled in darkness. Forgive us when we've dabbled in things that we thought were just fun. Or things that we thought was just a good way to learn some more information. But God are very real and, and dark things. 
Protect us and cleanse us. Grant us clean hands and a pure heart, we pray, O Lord. And may you guard us as a church, we pray. Lord, as we speak against the enemy and his evilness and the forces of the demonic in our community and in the east end of Glasgow, God, we ask that you would uh, put your, your hedge of protection around us. Send your angels to fight for us, we pray, O Lord. Guard our hearts and keep us from the evil one. Thank you, God, that no weapon formed against us shall prevail. And may we rest secure in your hands, we pray this day. And God, where the enemy's been at work in our lives, where there's been demonic forces at work in our lives, we say, be gone in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Be gone in Jesus' name. You're not welcome in this place. But King Jesus, we bow before you and we plead your blood. We wash your blood over us and we paint your blood over this place. Protect us, we pray, O Lord, from the evil one. As we pray every Sunday, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. And we pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.